Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Okay. So the next question, is it common for sex addicts to say that the feelings they had for a fair partner are no different than the feelings they have for their spouse when they fell in love with her? Is it also common for the addict to feel as if nobody has ever made them feel like the, a fair partner? My SA husband has said that there is no difference in feelings for the affair partner and feelings for me. Well, first of all, what an asshole. I know. I was I was laughing silly. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, who would even who would say that to somebody? Um, especially if they were still in a relationship with them. So anyway, I think that your spouse, whoever this is, has is not particularly skilled at empathy to say something like that to someone that they have had any kind of relationship with, no less a marriage. Um, first of all, I don't think that he, there's an unfair comparison being made here. These are apples and oranges. You know, being married in a relationship, I know this, is marriage, is dinner, clean up the dishes, someone's sick, you clean up after them, you do the laundry, you know, you plan the bills, and you have a good time. And that's a really or not a good time. And that's a relationship where you have a long term commitment. An affair is hotels and dinners and secret chats and illicit sex, meaning that it's no one knows about it. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to carry the burdens that you of sharing money, sharing responsibilities, sharing. So you can't compare these things. And for your spouse to be comparing them tells me that he has no idea or she has no idea what love is. Because falling in love and the intensity, and that's what we do with affair partners. It's new and exciting over and over and over again. But who would want to be with that person whose butt looks the same way it did 12 years ago? You have to find new ways of loving when you're in a long-term relationship. And it can't be that, wow, everything's exciting and wonderful. That's the first year. Or it's having an affair. But that's not real. So that's certainly not what he's going to find in a long-term relationship. So Tammy, thoughts? Well, I, I, yeah, same thing. I was like, really lack of any kind of emotional intelligence with that. But I also was thinking, like, you don't know how many people call that, that are the former affair partner. So this keeps happening. It's not like, oh, that affair partner is going to be so so special and they're going to be the ones that, you know, because then it happens again. So, you know, the, the problem is him. Um, this is one of those where, um, I, I don't know if he's trying to get help. Uh, he has a long road to, to go. Um, he, you're being he, kind, Tammy. I'm being, this is someone who should of, be in our treatment center. Yes. This is the yeah. kind of guy who comes in and says, I've got a problem. And I say, what's the problem? They said, well, it's this one or that one. And I don't know. And of course the problem is them. It's neither one of you, you know, on some level. So this is a real treatment candidate, someone who should get their butt and do the work because this person's going to destroy. If they want to be with you or you have kids together, whatever, that's just going to go. This cannot be the way that you're being treated. So uh, I've said what I need to say. Yeah. And we the, do, the by second, the way, alternative have. is a divorce attorney. So, you know, and I, I mean, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but I don't because, you know, like that's not fair to you. This is so not fair to you. Um, um, on any level, you know, oh, well, the fair partner, I love you both equally. No, no. So, 
And I want to add to that. I'm, I'm like uh, being very direct here. I have seen, I've run treatment centers for almost 30 years. I have seen so many relationships and families saved because of the depth of that work. We run a treatment center here in California. I run really called Seeking Integrity. And I think we're doing some of the best work at the most affordable prices in the country. And if you can get here, if you put it on your credit card, if you can borrow it from your mom, if you're in trouble, we will help you. And if you want to save that relationship, we're all over that. Um, and I just want to say that aloud, because if one person comes to treatment, then the other 72 of you get all this other work that we do free. But I really will call them as I see them. If somebody comes up and it really seems like they need treatment, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that, even if they don't come to us. Yeah, yeah. Well, we both had the same reaction on that one. So, hello, Dr. Rob. Thank you for your work. I'm an SA chemsex attending meetings regularly and in recovery for almost for almost six, not sure, weeks, months, or years. So, but, and doing well in terms of sobriety and avoiding my bottom line behaviors and occasional middle circle behaviors. I have issues with delayed orgasm causing intimacy issues with my spouse, which I struggle with and am looking for ways to help with this. How long will it take to recover? Are there ways to help with this? I am um, been prescribed by my uh, GP Cialis and anxiety pill for anxiety issues. I hate prescriptions by GPs. They, they don't have the training for all of this. So, I mean, well, fine if you've you got- understand throw, someone but... comes in their, I'm sorry. Someone comes in their office and they bring a bunch of samples and they say, here's the best pill in the world. And doctors are busy, you know, if it's in the family of pills, they know about it. Well, let's just try They And if you have an emotional or a mental health issue, don't go see a GP. You know, psychiatrists are trained to do that. And there's, and by the way, some of them are terrible, but some therapists are terrible too. We can help you find someone and we don't get kickbacks. It's one of the fun things in our job. But let me answer the question. Um, I don't know if, I don't know how much you've been involved in the work we do. Um, One of the leaders in our therapy community at Seeking Integrity is a man by the name of Dr. David Fawcett. And if you're attending the chemsex meeting, you're probably involved with that with him. And I think, I don't know if you've asked that there, but I'm pretty sure in his book, he talks about sensate uh, numbness and sensate challenges. And that people who have been through such intensity as meth, that, you know, they're anhedonic. I don't know if you know that word. They don't take a lot of pleasure in most things because you're kind of burned out your pleasure cells. Six months, many, many people that we work with are not interested in sex at six months. They can't have orgasms at six months. They can't get aroused at six months because the drug has just really affected their function. Now, if you have this problem before you did drugs or did all of the whatever you did, um, then I would say it's more of, of a psychological issue. And I would probably work with a sex therapist or a professional in this area to try to make it work um, and work differently. Um, so what do I want to say about that? I can't tell you if it's psychological or physical, but a doctor can. Um, and by the way, when anyone comes to a treatment center or therapy, this is how I'm trained. And I think every good therapist, we always rule out the physical. It's, you know, if it is the physical and I miss that, you can see me for five years and I haven't helped you. So absolutely, if you were to come to see me, I would ask you to please go to a urologist if you're a man, a gynecologist if you're a woman and get yourself checked out. And and it's embarrassing and it's uncomfortable to talk about, but this is their job. And then if you're checked out fully, you know, then we would talk about the psychological. Um, And let me tell you, chemsex, I have to say this about people who one of the things that we find that's going on underneath inside people who have chem sex problems 
is that they used the drugs because they had issues with sex. And that's why they went together. And it was easier to have the sex and not hate themselves if they got high, or it was easier to follow through on the sex if they got high. But when they got sober, there were sexual issues underneath. And if you're a chem sex person, you probably were having intimacy and sexual issues long before you ever used drugs. And so now you've got to come back to all of that. And I can say one more thing. I, I see, a, a, I hear a lot of, when I was using, I used to have tons and tons of sex. I couldn't believe, when I got sober, I didn't really want to have sex at all. And really those are two ends of the same thing on some level, which is you're avoiding something when you're using and you're avoiding something when you avoid it altogether. So um, I think you have a lot of questions to ask yourself and ask professionals related to what I'm seeing here. Um, and yes, Cialis and anxiety pills are not gonna help you, I don't think. Tammy? Well, my thought was you're focusing on orgasm. And if you change the focus to being together, you know, um, sensate focused therapy, you know, where you know it's massaging feet or wh whatever. Um, Bill and Ginger Burka, Dr. Rob mentioned them earlier. They did a podcast with Dr. Rob, which I put the link in the, in the chat, but that is uh, they, they do sexual reintegration. And, and I think it's, um, I think with so much of things, you know, I'm a runner. Runner is mostly psychological. It's all up here. Your body will follow. And I think that that's true with sex. If you are focusing on orgasm and you know, all of this, you know, it takes away, first of all, the, 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 I know the experience. Um, it's one of those things where you're, you're focusing on the end game, not focusing on the experience. And so um, if you can just like take that off the plate and just doesn't have to happen that's okay but if you're together and you're enjoying each other's in the intimacy of just connecting in a meaningful way you know that probably will reduce your anxiety and who knows what will happen but yeah dr david if you haven't been on his webinars he has those on wednesday nights but he does have the chem sex dropping group which is a new one on our site um, on tuesday night so that's at five both of them are at 5 p.m pacific time so i'd invite you to join ask those questions and discuss that too so Next question. My husband is 69. He has masturbated to fantasy for our entire marriage of 40 years. We've been separated for three years. He's seeing a CSAT candidate. He still acts out this way every week. He says he's working hard at his once a week counseling. My question, what do you recommend? I asked to see as far as change. He is a withdrawer. He withholds information, withholds his heart and thoughts. I am the one who listens to podcasts, reading books, counseling. I do IFS, um, internal family systems. We have new uh, drop-in groups for both um, men. And the partners group had 19 people for the first week um, last Wednesday. So join those. My trauma is much better. That's awesome. I, it's been 3.5 years since D-Day. Um, well, I would... My curiosity is about the state of this relationship. Um, when I talk to couples who, well, a couple of things, 69 years old means that you've probably been together uh, 40 years, right? 40 years. So a yeah. lot of couples that I work with at that uh, age, not even age, they've been together that long. They don't want to tear up their life at 70. You know, they don't want to start all over again. And so, you know, the idea of divorce and not getting back together and all that kind of stuff is very, very difficult if you've been in a long-term relationship um, that long. Some people just say, you know, I, I, we'll just figure it out. We're, we've been together all this time, but um, you're already separated. And there are two things I see as a therapist in here that I just want to call out because they're where my eyes go in terms of the feelings. I saw we've been separated three years 
And then I saw my trauma is much better. And I'm thinking, you don't really want to be with him. If you wanted to be with him or he really wanted to be with you, it wouldn't have been three years. Um, and you're telling me that you also, what is it? We've been separated. I love this. We've been separated three years. My trauma has been much better in the last three and a half years. I don't know, but it tells me that maybe this relationship has caused a lot of pain that you weren't aware of, has brought up a lot of issues in the past that kept you really stuck, not to mention the trauma of the acting out and all that. But what I always pay attention to is separated three years. You know, that's not a couple that's moving toward each other. And sometimes I, I just, I want to say this as a general thing for as a therapist. It's not unusual when we talk about this in therapy school for a couple to come to us and one of them wants to split up, but neither, but neither one is really able to say it. So they come to therapy in order to be able to let it out and actually say it. And what I see here, if you were the person who did the separating, is someone who is not particularly eager to get back in their relationship because if you're just looking for what you would want to see related to change and this person's still doing this, I don't see I don't see your future together. By the way, Tammy will tell you, but I'm going to say it for her, that it is almost always the spouses who listen to the podcast, read the books, and then they hand it over to the addicts and say, go do this or listen to this. And that's when we get it. Um, yeah, Tammy? This is um, absolute validation of what I tell people when they're calling. If, if you think going to see even the best, this is a CSAT candidate. So if even the best CSAT on the planet, and you think that in 50 minutes, once a week, um, and he says he's working really hard and I'm going like, that's his lips moving. And, and he's still acting out. He's acting out every single week. He's still doing, he hasn't that even you stopped know the of. behavior. Y yes. There may be a lot more. There may be a lot more, but he, if all he's doing is 50 minutes once a week, and he's probably telling his therapist how the last week has been or whatever. I mean, he's not dealing with any of those underlying issues. He is still withdrawing. He's still withholding. He, he is not showing you any sign of change to me. I mean, you have, you are shifting, you are making progress. Your trauma is better, you know? So I, I'm with Dr. Rob. It's like, you know, you can, you can continue staying married to him. I mean, many people, you know, stay technically married to the, their spouse for financial reasons, for whatever. All or the grandkids, they come yeah, together, but whatever. It's one of those things where you're taking care of you. And that's so, so it was like, what, what should I have for realistic expectations? He's being really clear what your, your realistic expectations are. He's not really willing to do anything. He's checking off the box. I'm seeing my therapist once a week, you know, big deal. So sorry, but good for you for taking so, care of you. So sad to end such a long relationship, but I feel like you've kind of already ended it. Um, yeah, we got another one. We got so many questions. Oh, tonight. we've got a bunch. Yeah. So I'm an SA who just started in recovery close to a month ago. I have a sponsor, a therapist, and have been attending 12-step meetings every day since the precipitating event. My betrayed partner has expressed a strong desire for me to participate in men-only 12-step groups. I'd like to, but they are harder to come by. How important is it that I stay exclusively men-only groups? The 12-step groups I've participated in have been attended by men and women who have good boundaries, no shenanigans. 
Well, I wrote a book about this question called Out of the Doghouse, a relationship-saving guide for men caught cheating, because this is such a classic, no offense to the person who wrote it, such a classic error for a sex addict to make, in my opinion, which is um, your spouse, you just started recovery a month ago. Okay, so you're brand new at all of this, and you're doing the work. You're seeing a therapist, and you're going to meetings, and that's all really fantastic. But what you don't understand is you don't have any rights in your relationship anymore to say no. Um, if you want this relationship to continue or work, whatever your spouse wants you to go to men's groups, yes, ma'am, I'm going to go to men's groups. Or if it's a man, yes, sir, I'm going to men's groups. At this point in a month, you need to do what makes your partner feel reassured, what makes them feel safe and comfortable. And if they say, I just don't want you to be in those meetings with women, I guess you, you know, you're straight, um, don't. Because what are you saying? Well, it's a little more difficult and it doesn't really meet my schedule. I'm sorry, but your relationship is on the line. And if what you're, and besides, what is your partner going to feel like if you push back in any way about wanting to be in those rooms where there are women? I don't think your spouse is going to take that well, no matter how you frame it. So what I see here, here is a lack of humility in someone who really shouldn't be asking these questions. Like, how can I get what I want? but more how can I find a way to heal my relationship and put my spouse first um, above what I want? That's a good start. Great and I questions. was thinking, yeah, you know, in addition, because they're, they're harder to find, but you can find them. All the drop-in groups that we have on sexandrelationshiphealing.com are gender specific. So we have men's drop-in groups. There was one this morning. There will be another Thursday morning, another with Troy Love that I mentioned on Friday morning. And then there's one Sunday night with Jonah Anderson, who does uh, some of our work groups, uh, the Sex Addiction 101 uh, Level 1 work groups uh, for us. So so all of these people are there to make a safe space. Same with the betrayed partners. There's a safe person there um, to hold the space for those groups. So there are men-only groups. Th those are not 12-step specifically. So yes, doing your 12-step work, having your, your sponsor, et cetera, great. But um, I, I think if you are, are diligent, you can you can find the right group. So, but yeah, I wanna, go ahead. No, I want to refer back to what you just said, which is we set up a whole world, a community for people to go for recovery, for partnership. It's all free. My point is, is that it never even occurred to me to do a gender mixed group. Never even occurred to Tammy, like, let's see if we can, unless it's a couples group where spouses and their you know, partners are together or married folks, but I would, it never, I would never put together a mix. Now people go to them, they get a lot, but I know for me, it, the distractions would be so profound. Um, you know, maybe not for me in that group, but I know, for example, I've had so many men say, well, I was sitting right across this woman. I couldn't focus on the meeting. I just kept looking at her. It's not like, it's like they went into a bar, you know, it's not their fault, so to speak, but everyone's opening up emotionally and there is the source of what they act out with across the room. By the way, the answer to that is find a different seat. So you're not staring at the person who turns you on, but a better answer is don't go to meetings where those people are hanging out. Um, so uh, I think we got that one. Okay. So the next question like is what, <laughs> what does ready for couples therapy look like? I'm trying to find that. It's, I, um, I, I answered a couple things by right. typing, so it's up. It's the red one. Um, okay, I can give my answer. I think Tammy is just as good this these particular questions I would be. But um, so there needs to be sobriety. Um, there needs to have been disclosure where one partner knows 
everything or the partners are law or there's no more secrets. Each of you need to have some kind of external support because couples I've seen someone, well, I have an addiction therapist. Well, I'll just see this person for a couple. You have to have your own people. Um, um, the intensity of the fighting has reduced to the point where you can actually listen to each other and talk to each other and not just it end up in a shouting match or a withdrawal match. Um, to me, I mean, the word is really when you feel really stable within yourself and you're ready to look at your spouse, not with a pointed finger, but with, with some openness. I know this is vague, but that's how I feel. The addicts are like, no, I'm so sorry. And the spouses are like this and there's really not much to be done. So um, another answer might be a good six months into healing is when I would start thinking about couples work. But Tammy, you may have a different, you, you work with. So I can't remember who said this, but I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true and brilliant. So um, if, if you, if somebody isn't sober, if, if like the last example where he's still acting out every week, you know, um, if they're not being able to be truthful, then it's like um, rowing a boat with one oar. One of you, the partner is showing up to row the boat and you're going to go in circles and, and you're not getting not like anywhere. That. So, so yeah, I really thought that was a useful analogy to visualize of like just going in circles, you know, and, and you don't get anywhere, which if you're trying to move a relationship forward, you want to have some momentum to, to do that. So, um, so I, I, I always say, you know, like you said, get the support for each of you individually. And then, you know, as you're able you know, the, the addict has stopped the behavior and there's some ability to be truthful and hold the space, you know, then doing couples work, it makes a lot of sense, you know, and having a professional that knows how to do this, like Dr. Rob said, that um, can help you navigate this. I hear all the time from people who go to generalist therapists and, and they don't, they don't have the skills. It's not for lack of wanting to, but they don't have the training and the skills to be able to help couples. And so then they spend another bunch of time on a treadmill, you know, not really getting any traction. So, um, so getting the right help, which is like what Dr. Rob said about seeking integrity, Los Angeles, that's what we do. This is all we do. We don't do, you know, zillions of things or be a hundred bed campus. We, this is all we do, but, but our clinical team, I would, you know, does it better than anybody, I think so. And I just like to add that I really respect that not everyone has the money to go to, I go to a therapist, you go to a therapist, we go to a therapist, and it is not the only road to healing. It's an easier road because you have all that support. But trust me, there are addiction groups, there are partners groups, there are couples groups. I think there, um, what's the couples group that, uh, oh, Recovering Couples Anonymous. There are actually 12-step programs that couples can go to. And now that it's online, they're all over the nation. So I think that you can work and negotiate your healing without therapy. It's just, it's more challenging and it, and it takes longer. But listen, fixing my own car takes longer than if someone else fixes it, at least of my time. So, you know, but, but it still gets fixed. Well, maybe not. I was going to say, I, car, <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to be able to help, but they've all changed and they're all electronic. Yeah. So probably not anymore, but anyway. So going back to one of the first questions that we had that was, so it said, my wife is pursuing a divorce and she needs it in order to heal from an unhealthy things that happened in our marriage. I struggle with showing up for her in her own struggles with her need for divorce and all the things she is going through surrounding that. I find that my fears and my shame block me from truly showing up for her. How can I jumpstart that conversation? And what are the kind of phrases I could use to show her that I care about her? I have hope that we can one day be back together and she has shared the same hope with me. 
well, this feels, and maybe I'm wrong and completely off base, but it feels a little bit manipulative to me because you already have a message from your spouse. Is it they're separated or divorced? Is that that you have a three-year message? Is that that couple? No, it's not that. No, it's read the one just above the, that was the. Oh, they're all together. Uh, The the Ryan H from 512 and 517. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. This is very long. Uh, Well, that's why we started with it, but then we didn't, we were like, what's the question? So now we. was slept too. Okay. Yeah. Um, So. So been in SA.org for 10 months. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking, there was something this person said. um, I don't understand how you can show up. That's what I was thinking. What do you mean show up for her in her struggle and need for a divorce? I don't think she needs you to show up for that. She needs a lawyer for that. I I think that your job is to show up for your own recovery and make sure that whatever's going on in marriage doesn't send you spinning into addiction. And it's interesting because the questions you ask me or or us would be to me, the questions I'd ask my wife, you know, do you see us getting back together? Is there something I can do to support you? Um, What would make you feel? Are are there ways we could do some therapy, whatever? Could we move toward each other? Um, I would say though, if, um, you need to figure that out. That's something that can come together. You don't, that your partner knows better than I do or better than Tammy does. Um, but to give them expressions and things to make them feel better feels a lot like if someone was divorcing me, I'm not sure or leaving me or separating from me. I, um, yeah, I'm not sure that I would think that I could make them feel better or be caring for them or show up for them. Um, I don't think it's, I think it's, if someone's divorcing me, it's my job to show up for me um, because I'm the one who's vulnerable to act out and all that stuff. I think this person wants like something that we can't give, which is they really want to make it work and heal, but divorce doesn't necessarily head toward that. No. And, and I shared earlier that, you know, we know people that have, you know, filed for divorce and, 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 you know, what it really was, was it was a heterosexual couple, but you know, it was really, he was doing his work and he understood that his wife needed to, to do whatever she needed to do. And that the, it was the result of his actions and his betrayal that this was what was happening. He kept doing his work. And as they were navigating the divorce, that's how they realized they were, they really did care about each other and were able to, you know, eyes wide open, move forward. And, and, but it, it would never have happened had he taken his gaze away from doing his work and focused on how do I get her back? How do I get her back? So, so I really think you doing that, honoring that she needs space, you know, supporting her ability to get the, the support she needs. Hopefully she's joining the betrayed partner groups on sex and relationship healing.com and finding support with that. Hopefully she's got a great pro dependent aligned therapist that, so she's not feeling blamed or, um, shamed for you know your addiction so um but her having her support you doing your work and continuing to dig in on the things that you know that you've been in 12 step for two months so so um i've been sober for 10 months so to me that was i was abstinent and then two months ago for eight months and then two months ago i decided oh i better go to 12 step meetings so so i'm glad you're doing the dropping groups and all that but i'm really kind of looking at the clock as two months really early in in the process so um so i you know hang in there it gets better but this is this is a journey this is not like you know all of a sudden it's all going to be better 
Yeah, I, I wanted to say one more thing about that, about this thing, which is, um, um, oh, I hope that we can one day together and she shared the same hope with me. She may have that hope, but she's divorcing you. And so right now is not the time to be talking to her about the hope for the relationship. That's not where she's at. Uh, you may be there, but if she really wanted to move forward with hope for the relationship, probably she wouldn't be divorcing you. So I don't think that's what's on her mind right now. And if you really want to be kind and loving to her, ask her if you can help her move or if she needs help with a divorce or can we make this fair or I don't want to fight you or be fair and honest and loving in the process of what she's asking. And then let's see how that goes. She may say, oh my God, he's never been nicer to me than in the process of divorce. I never knew this guy could show up like that. Um, rather than please, honey, let me show you how I love you. And maybe if I do more of this or that, you'll come back to me. That's, that's not really it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.